local journalism is inherently not scalable. It's local. More than 70% of our tax dollars are going to our local and, and state issues, not to our federal government. And yet we're swarming Washington with reporters. Welcome to the Media Jungle Video Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Regeer, coming to you every week to break down the business behind the news industry, the future of media, and the creator economy. Subscribe to our Substack newsletter, YouTube channel, Apple Podcasts. If you like the show, we appreciate your support. On this episode, I'm joined with Sarah Beth Berman, CEO of the American Journalism Project, which has raised over $100 million from philanthropists to support 32 independent local news outlets. doesn't make money. People keep saying the problem with the news business is not the journalists. It's the business model. They're like, the advertisers are the problem. They don't care about corruption. It's all about the clicks. Or the subscription model is the problem. It's the paywalls. They're only for the rich. And the worst one is the audience is the problem. People are sick these days. They're messed up. We're just giving them what they want. So real reporting doesn't make money. But what if you still want it? We care about the little things, democracy, education, water. What if nonpartisan journalism was a philanthropic cause like you give to the YMCA or the Red Cross? If the audience is addicted to clickbait and doom strolling, what if relevant information that affects your day-to-day life is the medicine? Stay tuned. Sarah Beth. Uh, let's talk about this new model you're building for nonprofit local journalism. How does it work? Why is nonprofit better? Thanks so much for having me. You know, our starting place is exactly where you just started with your uh, little intro right there, which is that we really see this as a market failure. The rise of the internet um, led to a lot of disruption in a lot of industries. For many of those industries, that was totally fine for consumers. You know, the decline of Blockbuster led to streaming, and that's been really good for consumers. Um, but the decline of local news, of course, has been really terrible for our democracy and for the health of our communities. And as you know, and I think your listeners know, the data really backs that up. Like it is very clear that communities that have lost a local paper are in worse shape. We're seeing voter participation decline. We're seeing civic engagement decline. People are just less likely to get involved in their community because they don't know what's going on. We're seeing government waste increase because of the lack of accountability. And we're seeing the rise of polarization. You know, people are far less likely to split their ticket in communities that have lost a local paper because, you know, what fills the void is the national press, social media, and it's literally nationalizing our local politics. So for all these reasons, we we don't define this as just a disruption of an industry. We de- define this as a market failure. And this is really an essential public good that our democracy requires and that our society requires, which leads us to believe we have to figure out a new way to finance and sustain local news. And we're making a bet that the future of local news, of civic reporting, of providing the public service of reporting in communities is going to be largely funded through new models. Um, and in our case, we're, we're making a bet on nonprofit models, meaning organizations that are focused on the mission of their organization and not on delivering a uh, 
a market return um, and organizations that are building diversified revenue for to support the journalism. So when we say nonprofit, we don't mean non-commercial. We're not saying this entire thing is going to be funded through philanthropy, but we do think that philanthropy has a vital role to play over the long term. But specifically right now in this moment of crisis where Thousands of communities don't have local papers and even more communities have like really shadows of their former self papers that are not providing the civic value that newspapers used to play. Um, so the model that we're betting on are these nonprofit newsrooms that are supporting themselves through philanthropy, through reader revenue, through corporate sponsorships and through other kind of creative ways to bring in revenue like events and really great swag. <laughs> but there's been like so many over the past decades, there's been so many attempts to revive local news, save local news. What has been the problem with a lot of these attempts or uh, on the for-profit side, there's been so many people try to get into it that have not been able to find scale. They haven't been able to figure it out. I mean, I think that over the last decade and a half as the as the local news industry that uh, provided local news for us in the last century uh, really sharply declined, we collectively tried to find a market solution. So we tried a lot of different models um, to, to try to solve the problem locally. I mean, many papers, as we know, the national news organizations have been really successful in transforming themselves. The New York Times, the Washington Post. I mean, we all remember in 2008 when I think the New York Times had to take out a high, high interest loan from Carlos Slim, like they were in trouble too, but they figured out how to weather it because of the market scale that the internet provides. But the fact of the matter is, is that local journalism is inherently not scalable. It's local. And so the, we need as many reporters covering our state houses and our city halls as we need in Washington. In fact, we arguably need more, um, you know, 70 percent, more than 70 percent of our tax dollars are going to our local and, and state issues, not to our federal government. And yet we're swarming Washington with reporters. What do you say about to people who would say, yeah, but that's just because no one cares. No one wants to hear that. That's not going to get the clicks. That doesn't get the ratings. It's because no one cares. I think people do care. And actually, our research really does back that up. Like we spend a lot of time doing market research, talking to people about what they want. And they actually do want local news. They want information about their communities. They want, quote, unbiased news. They want people to stop telling them what to think. That's exactly what they say in these interviews. The fact is, is that it's expensive. It is expensive to employ people to dig, to FOIA things, to dig in, to show up at these public meetings, to really follow stories and keep on those stories. It's expensive, but it's vital. Um, so that's one, one issue. And then the other is, um, and I know not everyone likes it when we say this, but the fact is there are a lot of things that we need that we don't necessarily immediately want. If kids got to pick what uh, subjects they had at school, they would do all gym and art. But we also know that it's important for kids to get strong education. And frankly, that's true of us as citizens, as, as the electorate. We need to have this information, not because you necessarily need it every day, but when you are heading to the ballot box, you want to know that the local news organization has been covering those news organizations. 
uh, those candidates so that you can quickly look up and say, okay, what is this candidate's record? And what have they been doing? And I may not be reading this every day because I may not be worried about it every day, but when I need it, I need it. And we need as a society to make sure that we're standing that up for people. So how do you set that up? Is, is the payout of the hundred million fund essentially, is that more like a VC fund with a strategic investment or is it like a grant for certain projects? Well, so the hundred million number that you're using um, just to get specific is both money that we've raised for a national pot that we're redispersing out to local news organizations and money that we've directly raised for news organizations in markets. Um, But for the national pot, um, we make strategic grants. So they are grants. We're not looking to get a financial return on our investment. We are looking to get an impact return on our investment, meaning we are measuring very closely the investments that we make. Um, and the goal of the investments we, we make is to support the growth of these news organizations. So what I mean by that is we're making investments in their business infrastructure and their revenue infrastructure. And then we're tracking, did their revenue grow? Did their revenue diversify? Have these organizations become stronger, healthier, more financially sustainable? And we have lots of different mechanisms we use to measure that. And are they becoming, um, and, and we measure all of that to make sure that our investments are leading to organizations that are growing and are becoming healthier and can over time continue to grow so that they can frankly fill the void that has been left by the decline of commercial local news. That's interesting. So it's actually your impact is also just creating resilient companies as opposed to necessarily like how an impact investor would say, like, these are the people we affected. These are the people we helped or that and that sort of thing. Well, we measure that as well. um, But we think about it this way. Our goal is to build news organizations that are strong and resilient. Our news organizations goals are deliver are to deliver impact on communities, meaning to serve readers, to serve communities, to and to really provide the democratic value that we know local journalism provides. So we're tracking both the kind of impact that the journalism has, but our specific focus is on addressing the problem that you and I started this discussion with, which is how do we address the market failure, (laughs) the business problem? That's fascinating uh, and very smart is so that that makes a lot of sense. And that's really great that that's uh, your focus is how how can you or how do you or maybe you could give an example of how you sure. can affect see the impact see more democratic uh you know the the strength of the democracy how do you kind of measure those those qualitative impacts okay so we're on the front end of this process right now um and and the industry in general i think has needs to be incredibly good at explaining the impact because that is frankly, the the um, revenue model. Like if you can demonstrate to readers and philanthropists and communities and, you know, ci- civic uh, businesses that may decide that they're going to um, sponsor your news organization out of a civic value and a, and, and a sort of civic relationship, then you need to really be able to effectively demonstrate the value that you're having on communities. So, um We know very well, and we talked a little bit about this at the beginning of this conversation, the negative impacts that that the decline of local news has had on communities, right? Like we know that voter participation declines, that civic engagement declines, that polarization increases, um, that that government waste increases. What we need to be able to show over time is that the reverse happens. Um, So we are working with several um, researchers to set up uh, studies over the long term to be able to measure this. 
Nikki Usher, a really well-regarded communications scholar, just a couple of weeks ago, published on Twitter a pre-peer review copy of her research. She put it out, as she said on Twitter, that she felt so good about the data she wanted to put it out, and she felt like it was immediately actionable. Um, but it basically began to answer this question, like, are there positive impacts from having nonprofit models? And what she found, I'm going to quote it, it said, findings suggest nonprofit interventions in failing local commercial markets may be an important safeguard for keeping public officials accountable. Um, and then interestingly, she also found that the more philanthropic funding for local news in a community was, po was positively associated with public corruption cases. So she was specifically looking at public corruption cases to see the correlation between the existence of nonprofit news and public corruption cases with the um, in assumption being that uh, if you have good reporting, there will be more public corruption cases. So these are the kinds of studies that we need to have more broadly to show that the kind of positive, the positive impacts that um, local news is happening is is having. That said, individual newsrooms are having just each one of them have so much really anecdotal but very clear um stories of impact, you know, moments where uh, they in, did an investigation and it led to policy change or led to, um, you know, good, better outcomes for communities or readers donating and, and giving to the news organization because they see the value. We invested in a news organization in Puerto Rico called CPI, which did the investigation that led to the ousting of the governor there for his massive corruption. And readers swarmed them with philanthropic dollars when they did that because they saw the value. So we see the value in communities all the time. Um, and, and we think it's really important, frankly, to raise awareness about the value of these organizations so that they can become more sustainable. And raising a hundred million dollars for this type of thing is almost like sort of a new concept because I, I don't, yeah. I think that's the, the most any organization has ever uh, raised for this. Is this like, you sort of created like a little movement among philanthropists. Talk to me about how you make that pitch and how you create that kind of momentum. Yeah. I mean, that is very much the goal. Like we believe that philanthropy across this country really needs to lean in on local news, that it is foundational to all the other things they care about. And this is part of the case we make. Like if you care about education, if you've been donating to education causes for a long, long time, then you need to be concerned about whether or not school boards are covered, charter school boards are covered, whether or not parents have the information they need to navigate the school system. I mean, that is an essential part of any investment in education, for instance, and that go that you can play that same story out, whether it's climate, whether it's health, whether it's equity issues, the information ecosystem is really essential. And so we're out there making the case to philanthropists about that. Um, the truth, the truth is that philanthropy for a long time didn't need to give to local news. Of course, you know, there was a long time where these newspapers were making mint and you didn't need philanthropy. So it's new. You need to go out and make the case to institutional philanthropy, to individuals. And what I will say is we are making progress. And the reason why we're making progress, I think, is a few fold. One is the crisis is so acute. I mean, the truth is, is that 
Now people see it. It's not just, you know, 1800 communities across this country literally have no idea what's going on in their communities. And even if you are in a place that has legacy papers, the fact is everyone reads it now. There was a study that came out that that found that only 17% of most local papers are actually publishing local content, meaning what you're actually reading in your paper is national content and wire content and not local original reporting. So people are actually feeling it. I also think all this data that's coming out that's showing the correlation between the decline of local news and various other um, sort of insidious things that are happening throughout our democracy is really helping to make the case. And I think people are realizing we really need to reinvest in the basic infrastructure of our democracy and local news is part of it. To try to really get into some of the business models of what's been working and what hasn't worked and what you've learned so far among the portfolio companies. What, what have you seen worked and what have you seen not really work? I mean, the headline is, is that uh, we, we think there's huge potential for nonprofit news. Our portfolio um, grew by a median of 70% in its first year of our investment. So we, we there is huge growth and the nonprofit industry writ large is growing. Um, and, and frankly, if you remember like the stark decline of commercial news, you picture that graph, like the nonprofit news is growing. It is a positive trajectory. Um, there are a lot of really interesting models out there and it is still early days for the field. Um, there are some what we're calling national local models, so kind of networked approaches. We helped to launch a new news organization called Capital B earlier this year, which was founded by um, a woman named Lauren Williams and a woman named Okoto Aforiata, both who come out of the kind of national commercial media and um, non- they had some experience in nonprofit media. They had experience in the black press, in the mainstream press, and they decided that there needed to be a new news organization that's primary audience was serving black Americans with local news. And they're setting up a network of newsrooms that will over time expand to more and more communities. They started in Atlanta and their plan is to expand to cities um, and communities across the country. We think it's really interesting because they are building out sort of one shared infrastructure that can then serve many, many communities. And also they're beginning to figure out what the economic model is for a place like Atlanta, which has you know, big philanthropic community, a lot of wealth, a lot of black wealth that could be very interested in supporting something like this, but then also offsetting that with... Um, with uh, so that over time they can expand to lower wealth communities like, say, a Gary, Indiana or a Buffalo, New York. Um, so they're really figuring out an interesting model for how you begin to see this model expand. Um, we've also invested in some um, radio stations. You know, radio public radio is is a nonprofit business model. Um, radio historically has not played a significant role in the in original reporting and the kind of news gathering that newspapers did. But some radio stations really are leaning into building out local newsrooms and becoming, you know, the new paper of record um, for their community. So we made two pilot investments in transforming radio stations. So we think there's a lot of possible models. So there's so sometimes you're actually sort of helping legacy uh, outlets kind of transform themselves 
the national the plan B, it sounds a little bit similar, but with a niche to uh, just like Gannett or McClatchy. Has those models? Has the Gannett and McClatchy's uh, like? Is that what's the, the what's the issues there? What's the how are they doing? Well, you may know that now more than 50% of American dailies are owned by financial institutions. So Alden Global, which has gotten a lot of coverage in our world, um, The Atlantic did a really incredible piece um, last year written by McKay Coppins that really got into the dynamics of what Alden Global is doing. But um, they've played a very kind of big role in sort of buying up the national chains. Um, and their incentives are financial. And they're, un, they're unafraid about that. They're, un, they're not embarrassed about that. I mean, that is their point. Their point is to drive financial returns. And for them, that means cut as many reporters as you possibly can and still have a product that can make money. And so that has been, um, that is a dynamic that we see playing out in a lot of um, a lot of communities. That's not true of every one of these chains. It's not true of every um, community, but it is broadly the dynamics that we're seeing in the sector. Um, and yeah, your point about sort of scalable models, that's not new. That's that's like the oldest the oldest playbook in, in, in business. Um, but we're just trying to apply it to new to new digital nonprofit newsrooms that can be prepared for the 21st century of local news. So just to confirm, when you look at uh, investing or giving grants out, you only look at independent uh, outlets or you would look at something that's part of a chain or a corporate uh, entity? We are exclusively looking at nonprofit models. Um, and we're, and, um, you know, I just gave you one example with Capital B. We also have a lot of like place-based models. We invested in VT Digger in Vermont, which is the largest newsroom in Vermont, Montana Free Press in Montana, um, Nevada Independent in Nevada, a lot of statewide news organizations that are both figuring out how to cover the state house, but then over time trying to build models that can do local reporting as well, sort of more metro reporting in addition to national, in addition to statewide reporting. Um, and so our investments are exclusively for nonprofit newsrooms and exclusively for organizations that we think have the kind of leadership and capabilities and impact to be able to continue to grow and um, fill the void of declining declining papers. Yeah. And, and so basically these business models of these nonprofits, besides the fact that they have a purpose component, like a civic component, uh, um, they they use the same business models, ads, subscriptions, events, memberships, all of that type of stuff. Is there anything else that they do that's like something that you don't typically see with for-profit media companies? I mean, philanthropy is a really big part of it. So philanthropy, meaning that they're going out there to the local foundations, to the local philanthropists and, and not saying to them, can you pay for your subscription, but paying, but saying, can you make an investment in your community? and make a big investment in your community. So for instance, you know, can you pay for several reporters to make sure that our community has reporters out there serving their community? And that's a major philanthropy, that's a major revenue stream um, that they're tapping into. There's billions of dollars of philanthropy across our country. A lot of it is focused on place, um, meaning community philanthropists who care about say Tulsa, or Houston or Cleveland, 
those folks out there should be investing in local in local news and these news organizations are appealing to them. So it adds a huge revenue stream that I think has real potential. And the other thing that's really valuable about it is that it means the news organization can be focused on providing value and equitable value. So they don't just need to be focused on who, who are the readers that can pay. They can think about what is the most value that we can provide for communities. Yes, we need readers paying and they will pay if we provide value, but also philanthropy can offset costs so that we can serve communities that aren't going to be able to pay for this news, but still need it. And cover things that may not otherwise be covered. And you have, uh, it sounds a little bit like uh, how like the the rich person in a city pays for the a unit of a university type kind of pitch and you help those organizations make that pitch is that like a service yeah so we're working with them on hiring the staff to be able to go out and fundraise and do audience development and build those various revenue streams so you know a typical grant that we make to an organization would help them hire um, different leads for different revenue streams ahead of philanthropy ahead of major gifts ahead of audience and and membership ahead of corporate sponsorships those sorts of things depending on the market and depending on what we think the potential is um, and then we work with them to build the skills, capabilities, systems, structures, and case for support to go out and um, raise that, raise the money and build their revenue. Um, so yeah, one of like the secret sauces of fundraising is having the right kind of case to go out and make that case. And so we spend a lot of time with our organizations on helping them craft that. It sounds a lot like kind of an incubator in startups where you're providing different marketing or different types of uh, guidance or support on whether on the operations on the fundraising is that how you see it yeah that's right i mean we, we call ourselves a venture philanthropy which is a term in philanthropy it's somewhat modeled after a vc model where you um you know and i would say that the closest parallel for us is that we're a growth fund so we're working on growing enterprises some of those are in startup phase where we're helping to grow them from zero to 60 some of them are in sort of early stage and we're helping them grow to much larger. And some of them um, are rather mature, but we think have big growth potential and we're helping come alongside them on that. And, and alongside our financial investment, we come in with a lot of tools, coaching, capacity building to help them build up the business side of the organization. That's really interesting. Before we go, let's talk a little bit about kind of the basics of how American Journalism Project is it set up? It's an it's a nonprofit. It's a foundation. What are kind of your main focuses and goals at, at a high level? So we are a 501c3. So we're a nonprofit organization. Um, and we go out there and fundraise for national dollars to help solve this crisis um, across this country. And then we are focused on three things. One is um, building new organizations. We're often doing that in partnership with local philanthropy. So we're raising local philanthropy and then we're co-investing with local philanthropy to launch or grow uh, enterprises. So that's one. So grow organiz uh, build organizations, grow organizations. So finding organizations out there that we think have really interesting models or great potential, and we're helping them grow their uh, business operations so that they can grow their revenue and ultimately grow their newsroom and then finally grow their impact. Um, and then finally, um, we see our third pillar of work is what we call catalyze a movement. Um, you used that word earlier. Um, we really want to catalyze a movement at the national and local level for 
far more attention, dollars, um, and uh, resources to go into uh, rebuilding local news across the country. So we see ourselves as trying to really catalyze the growth of this new sector, which is the nonprofit local news sector. What, what are kind of the main uh, things, challenges when you're trying to do that fundraising? You know, generally, I would say that there is um, a lot of interest out there, but there are a lot of issues in our society right now. And philanthropists are juggling a lot. Um, and so I think this is true for anyone who fundraises, but you have to make the case for why this matters. And it's particularly hard when you're coming forth with a proposition that is really brand new to the philanthropic sector. So it's one thing when you know a philanthropist is interested in education and you're coming to them with an, a new education cause for them to invest in. But coming with really an entire new category of funding is challenging. Um, and then making the case for why it's really urgent. And then second, I think, um, you know, people, we have a lot of um, sort of notions around um, the role that the market should play in news, per particularly because historically in our country's sort of young uh, history, um, the market has played a really important role in sustaining local news. Although interestingly, um, the post office you know, in the very early stages of the American uh, project, um, made it free for uh, for newspapers to deliver their um, to deliver their their goods through the postal system because we immediately because we did understand that we needed to help get information out to to communities. So we've always understood um, local news as something more than just a market proposition, but really something that society needs to be involved in. And it's also seems like with our divided politics, it could also become really hard and divided media politics, partisanship in, in the mainstream media. It seems like, it seems like that would be a lot of people would want to pay for a news outlet that represents their point of view. Yeah, the, 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 the issue of partisanship and news is a huge issue. One thing we have on our side is that local is inherently less partisan. It really is. Like the issues that play out locally are just far less polarizing than what plays out nationally. And so um, I think, I, I frankly think reinvesting in local is a reinvestment in trying to bring us back to some sort of shared conversation, some sort of shared fact base, um, and some sort of shared trust in the same kind of information. And that's a really important case that we're making to funders. And I think people are, are stepping up to, to do it. Thanks so much. you have any kind of last words uh, for people who are hearing about this whole uh, movement for the first time? Sure. Um, you can check us out on our website, www.theajp.org. Um, so we have more information about our incredible portfolio of grantees. I just mentioned a few of the news organizations um, in this conversation, but they're really an incredible group. Um, and then just in general, there's um, nonprofit newsrooms uh, burgeoning across the country. So I would just invite people to go learn about what's happening in your community um, but it, it's really exciting. I think for a lot of us um, in this industry, it can often just be a lot of despair. But I, I really see this what's happening in nonprofit news as, as a, a real kind of source of optimism in the industry. Like, I, I think there's really good things happening and it's worth paying attention to. 
Yeah, I'm inspired. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. You can follow Sarah Beth Berman on Twitter. Uh, go to their website and I'll see you next week. Wow, you made it to the end of the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. By the way, we also are a video podcast where you can see extra memes, charts, visuals about the segments. So you can find that on YouTube or subscribe to our Substack newsletter for exclusive updates. And thank you so much for listening. See you next week.